and know that he is still hearing our prayers. We, we, we don't ever come to the place where we wonder whether God hears us or not. God does hear us. The word says he hears us and knows who we are. So we look at that this week and we think about the subject always hearing. Like you, we and our family get a number of invitations in the mail. You know, when, when the kids were growing up, we got birthday invitations, you know, and they were in school and you'd all, they'd come home so excited by having a, a birthday invitation. Or maybe you get an invitation of a family member or a friend who's getting married, they're tying the knot, it's great. Or maybe you get those invitations about credit cards, those go in the trash, you know, just as soon as possible. Uh, we all get invitations. Receiving an invitation means you've been thought about. It means you've been included. Somebody is thinking about you. I think today that we have an invitation to pray. An invitation to pray to God. And it's one of the greatest invitations that the scripture offers us today. To be called by God to pray to him. It is really amazing to think that God, the God of the universe, is inviting us. What's he inviting us? I think he's inviting us to know him. I think he's inviting us to communicate with him. I think he's inviting us to grow in our relationship with him. And he does this by calling us to pray, inviting us to call upon his name. Just listen to some of the verses that the Bible uses when God invites us to pray. Look at 1 Chronicles 16, 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Or, or Psalm 6, 18, 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help from his temple. He heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Or Jeremiah 33, 3, which you know so well, call unto me and I will answer you and, and, and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Or, or Acts 2, 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What an invitation of God. What a wonderful, marvelous invitation. An invitation to pray, to call on the name of the Lord, to be involved with his person. And he promises, if we call on him, that he hears us, that he listens, that he is still hearing. But how sad is it today that Christians, I think, have more difficulty in prayer than just about anything in their spiritual life because it's a regular practice and it's called a discipline for a reason it takes discipline to pray on a regular basis and to stay with that practice of prayer i think it's a struggle that many people have in their lives i i'm i'm you know i know i know we, we pray for meals we throw a prayer together for our children and their safety now and then. We ask the Lord to change our spouse and make them see things the way we see them when needed. Right, yeah. we, we pray when confronted with an emergency or a health crisis. But the regular practice of prayer, if we are honest, is hard. We ask questions like, what should I pray for? How long should I pray? What, what do I need to be praying for? If, if God already knows what's going to happen, do my prayers even matter? I, I think when you have that fact in mind, 
sometimes, or those facts in mind, our, our mind begins to wander, doesn't it? It does me when I pray. You know, I, 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 I'm distracted. I hear things. The air conditioner comes on. A dog barks. The phone rings. It's easy to become distracted when we pray. It's, sometimes we get bored easily. It may become mechanical to pray. It just seems like it would be much easier to get up and do something else than what we're praying about, what we're actually focusing on. Anybody with me? I mean, am I the only one that feels that way? I don't think so. I've talked to people. You combine the natural difficulty to pray with the fact that our enemy, Satan, would love to distract us, right? Would love to pull us away from our prayer life and keep us from praying on that wonderful invitation to call upon the name of the Lord. He would try to stop that if he could. I mentioned this invitation to pray, and it's, it's like that invitation to get a new credit card. Sometimes that invitation to pray winds up in the trash. We just don't do it. We cast it away, and we don't focus on what God wants. I hope that today I can show you the beauty of serving God, the beauty of praying, of calling on his name. If you, if you look in your, your text in a moment, we'll be looking at 2 Kings 19 and 20. As you think about that, you know, maybe, if you remember, that Hezekiah is, is the king. He's the king of Judah at the time. And he was one of the few kings who bent his heart toward the Lord. He focused on God. His attention and his, his desire was to be God's man. Most kings in that day were evil, and they were outdoing each other in, in what they could do. But that was not Hezekiah. He was different. Listen to Hezekiah he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among the, all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from the following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. You see why it's so important in a few moments, I think. But I do want to mark the character of Hezekiah. He had what you and I would call integrity. He had honesty. He had character. He was focused on God, following God wholeheartedly. This doesn't mean that he was perfect, but he inclined his heart to the Lord. If you look later in the book of Hezekiah, you see he made some major mistakes. But yet, his heart was inclined toward the Lord. The first chapter we read is, is first chapter 19. It has to do with a, a national crisis. Here he was fighting against the king of Assyria, and the king decides to come against Jerusalem. The second prayer in Hezekiah, or in 2 Kings 20, has to do with a, a physical problem that Hezekiah was having. It was a health crisis. And I think we learn a lot from looking at both of those prayers. First, 2 Kings 19, 14 through 20, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers. The letter basically taunted Hezekiah and God himself. He was coming to destroy Jerusalem. And it read, and, and, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and to spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear, open your eyes, O Lord, and see, hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. 
Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste to the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us, please, from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. Then Isaiah, the son of Amoz, sent Hezekiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of the God of Israel, You prayed to me about Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and I have heard. Then the second prayer in, in 2 Kings 20, 1 through 5. And in those days, Hezekiah became sick, and he was at the point of death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said, Thus saith the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle of the court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus saith the Lord, O God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord. When you look at both texts, you see that Hezekiah prayed. And, and as he prayed, what happened? God responded. Both times, as Hezekiah prayed, God responded. Let's talk about what, I'm, what I want to call healthy prayer. Uh, how, and I don't mean just praying for health, but what's the best kind of prayer? What does it really mean? What does it consist of? And, and I'm going to save some things to later in the sermon uh, and go one, two, three, four as we look at it. But I want you to get in that mindset that prayer is not some sort of magical uh, set of words that gets God's attention. Prayer is not like a genie. Prayer is not like rubbing the side of the lamp and getting what you want. So I think before we get into some of the aspects of prayer, I, I want you to see some ingredients of healthy prayer and understand that this most basic form of a relationship with God is that we learn from God how to be who we need to be. I think healthy prayer includes what I want to call a healthy posture. Now, I'm not, just, I'm not just talking about physical posture. I think that's important as it relates to, to praying. i if you look at the Bible, I believe the Bible offers five different ways that we can pray. Uh, one of them is sitting, one is kneeling, one is standing. A fourth one is laying prostrate with the faith uh, down to the ground. The other is lifting our hands to the Lord. And if you look at it, you'll see these mentioned in what we're talking about today. Mark Batterson, uh, a pastor, says physical posture is an important part of prayer. It's like prayer within a prayer. Posture posture to prayer is as tone is to communication it's how you approach God if if the words are what you say posture is how you say it how you approach God physical postures I think help in humility toward God we recognize who we're approaching 
When confronted with being assaulted and overthrown by an enemy, when he was confronted with his own mortality, did you notice the response of Hezekiah in both of those situations? The first one in situation one, 1914, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread out before the Lord. He prostrated himself. He fell down before God. Situation two, then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, and Hezekiah wept bitterly. Both times, Hezekiah's posture was that of humility and brokenness. Humility and brokenness is how he approached God. I think the scripture says that humble and broken people are a magnet for God to hear. You look at Psalm 147, uh, you look at Psalm 34, 17, it's it's almost a spiritual law. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, 1 Peter 5, 5 says. As we approach, we approach in a posture when we pray to God. And that posture changes something about the way we approach him. Hezekiah knew his place well and he knew he was king, but he fully realized there was someone greater than himself. He was king, but yet there was the king of kings who he was approaching. I think both passages tell us that. 2 Kings 19.15, And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone. All kingdoms of the earth, you have made them from heaven and earth. He recognized in his approach to God, who God was. And, and I think that prayer, it, it emphasizes the sovereignty of God. It recognizes who God is and why he's coming to God. He's the God of the universe. He can change things. Hezekiah understands his place, and his place is humility as we approach God. If you want to know some of the key reasons perhaps God is not responding to our prayer, let's pause and list them and think about some of the reasons that God may not hear us. Have you ever had a dropped call before? I mean, you're driving around, you get the cell phone, and as you go through, a, a, you know, it used to be worse than it is now, but I mean, I'd drive all over Oklahoma, and I'd be talking to somebody, and it'd click, and they were gone. And then I'd try to call them back, and it would say, no signal, and I couldn't get them. It's a frustrating thing to have a dropped call, a dead spot in the road. I think some of these issues that we talk about are dead spots in our prayer life with God. Number one, pride, unbelief. Pride in bold letters, I think, is what unbelief is. Psalm 10, 4 says, in, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Why pray if there's no God? That unbelief keeps people from praying, and unbelief can keep God from responding to prayer. If you don't even believe what you're saying, I see that on television all the time. Somebody will say, well, you know, God, I don't pray a whole lot, but, you know, I'll give it a shot. Is that belief? It's unbelief. James 1, 6 through 8, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind, for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When we pray, we must pray in belief, knowing, knowing God hears our prayer. I think another reason God may not respond to our prayers is selfishness. That's another form of pride. What we are asking for God is not for the glory of God. 
what we're asking for does not glorify God and not for his glory. It's not for his will to be done, but instead we're asking for the Lord to do something for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motives. You look in the scripture in James 4, 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you wrongly, you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. The things we want as opposed to things that God wants for us. We, we're, we're not praying as Jesus did. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes our prayers are not responded to because self is at the core of the prayer, not God's will. I think the third thing that keeps us from having our prayers answered is disobedience. Again, that's just another form of pride. It's another way, I think, to say it. What the Bible says about this and how it relates to prayer, well, let me give you a, a scripture. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2, I remember this every time. I think of why people ask me, why didn't God hear my prayer? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities, your sin, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. If you wonder why things aren't going the way you want them, if you wonder why your prayers aren't answered, if you wonder why things are not rolling in the direction that you would believe they should roll for a Christian, then maybe you should start right there. Your iniquities have kept you from getting God's blessing. Why should God give you anything if you blatantly sin before him and are refusing to change your attitudes or actions? Choosing to live a willful, habitual sin will cause a, a dropped call, if you will, every time when you pray to God. My hand is not short. It's not that I can't hear. It's not that I can't act. But your sins have cut you off. Fourth, I, 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 I think, well, let me get some more scriptures with the... Um, with the third one, if, if I have cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Proverbs 28, 9, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Isn't that sad? If, if, if we're ignoring God, if we're not paying attention to God, even our prayers, the Bible says, are an abomination. Even praying to God and, and wanting to say, hey, God, I think you're wonderful. I think you're great. But behind us, we're trying to hide sin. The prayer is an abomination. Just because there's an invitation to call upon the Lord doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want and just genie God up. Okay, I'm in trouble now. I need to pray to God. But I'll do everything else I want to when I want to. To think that way is to have a twisted view of God in yourself. And it goes back to that issue of humility. I mean, am I coming to God with the right posture? Or am I just demanding from God? I, I don't think that's the way it works. One more reason, number four, may, God may not respond to our prayer, is fractured relationships. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, so if you are offering a gift in the altar and, you, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift, therefore, <laughs> before the altar, and go. First, be reconciled, he says, to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Or, how about Mark eleven twenty five? And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. 
If I'm asking God to do something for me and I'm unwilling to forgive other people or, or to look at them in a, in a godly, loving way, God does not hear our prayer. He says, go take care of that first. 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Can I get an amen or an oh me on that one? <laughs> You know, I mean, how more black and white could it be? Our prayers are hindered because of what? Fractured relationships. That our relationships are not the way they should be internally, externally, within the body of the church. And when they're not the way they should be, God is under no obligation to answer. Unbelief, selfishness, disobedience, fractured relationships, I think are all a form of pride because it focuses on me and not on what God wants from me would you do an honest assessment the I am is still the I am he is still hearing prayers if you sense God is distant is it one of those reasons is it something like we've mentioned the old adage is if you're not near God guess who moved it wasn't God. It was you. Let the Holy Spirit search you. Is there something that God is asking you to do deep on the inside, but you doubt whether or not he can do it? M maybe just breathe a prayer right now. Like the father of the boy with the unclean spirit in Mark 9, he approaches Jesus. All things are possible to those who believe. And he says, I believe. What? Help my unbelief. Maybe you need to say that to God today, or you need to pray to God for a desire to have his will over your will. I, I, God, I want your will to be answered and not mine. I want your motives and not mine. Maybe you need to confess sin and you just need to deal with something. Um, maybe you're clinging on to something that you need to let go of. Maybe it is a fractured relationship you need to deal with to leave your gift, to pray for forgiveness, to, to go to someone, either a family member or someone else, and seek forgiveness. God is not looking for perfection. He didn't from Hezekiah. But he looked for that inclination of the heart toward him, to turn our hearts toward him and to seek him in the midst of our imperfect life. It's about character. It's about what's on the inside. 2 Kings 18 says this of, of Hezekiah. He trusted in the Lord and the God of Israel so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him or among those who before him for, the, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him but he kept the commandments and the Lord commanded Moses and the Lord was with him. Is the Lord with you today? The Lord was with Hezekiah because he was humble before God. And he did what God wanted him to do. I think it leads to a second overarching lesson, and it's this. Healthy prayer includes a healthy perspective. Remember, first was a healthy posture. Uh, that was the overarching thing, that, that God, how we approach God, a healthy posture. But now a healthy perspective. In his prayer, he acknowledged the sovereignty and the rule of God. He saw God could answer his prayer but he recognized that he could answer as he saw fit go back to the situation Assyria was bearing down on them Hezekiah prays to God to intervene and and 
we see in that moment a key ingredient. He asked God. Then Hezekiah was about 37 years of age. We think he, he, he hears he's going to die. And he asks God to intervene. In both cases, I think he demonstrates a trust in God. I don't, I'm sure he didn't have any idea how God would move on his behalf. He didn't, he didn't ask for things specific. He asked God to intervene, to do something. God, you know the best thing to do here. Do it. <laughs> I'm asking you to intervene and do something. He didn't ask him to send someone into the camp, an angel, to kill 185,000 people one day. He didn't ask him to do that, but that's what God did to wipe out the Assyrian army. When God answered his prayer regarding his death sentence, God gave him 15 more years. 15. Well, that, that would have put him somewhere around the age of 54 or 55. I mean, I might have asked for more. How about you? Uh, he didn't ask for more. He just asked for God to intervene. Not my will, but yours be done. Do you have a deep-seated trust in God? Do you trust God to do the right thing in your life? Whatever that is. It may not be what you want, but what is best for you. It may not be as long as you want, like Hezekiah's life, but it's what's best for you. Do you trust God and his timing? We look at the scriptures and we read in, in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are high than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He is altogether different than we are. Altogether holy. Holy W-H, you know, and holy H-O-L-Y. He's both. Completely different and wholly different. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think it's good to go to God in that way. To ask him to help us. To, to sort out the motives of our heart, the sinfulness of our heart, and, and to throw ourselves on the unbelievable mercy of God and trust that he will do the same thing. His love and his mercy are what's best. And Hezekiah's prayer for his health, if you noticed, we don't have specifics, again, what he prayed for. Uh, he was so broken. I, I think it was just, you know, it was his heart pouring out before God. Have you ever been there, that broken? You know, you know the Bible says that there is a way that we pray that something happens. It's in Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. We ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches his heart knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Ask God. And ask God what's on your heart. God, I don't even know. I can't even get perspective about my life. I, sometimes I'm so wrapped up, I can't even see clearly about myself. I need you to help me. I need to ask. First John says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So, 
I want to ask you to ask God. Will you go to prayer with me now? Let's talk to God for a moment. Let's pray together. I want this time as we close the service to respond to that invitation of God to call on his name. There's some things you can pray for. You've heard a couple of things uh, today. Pray for the pool committee. Lord's will be done. Pray, uh, pray for our people who are in the hospital, for Susan. Maybe pray for yourself. Maybe pray that prayer that says, God, intercede in a way that I don't know what I need, God, and my heart is broken and I come to you. I'm confused, God. I'm disappointed. I'm whatever it is your life is wrestling with right now, and ask God to help you in that. It's not selfish to want to change, to be different. It's not to use it upon our desires that we come to you, God. We want to be what you want us to be. And so we ask you to help us in this moment to be different people and to be what you want. We pray in your holy name. Amen. We come to the invitation and maybe an opportunity for you to come and kneel and pray or to respond to God or maybe kneel or sit where you are and ask God to help you. We are doing what he asks us to do. Call upon the name of the Lord. That's what we're doing. And that's what this invitation is for. As we sing, page 433, 433 as we stand together and sing. As we get ready to leave, I ask Ron if he would mind dismissing us today in prayer as we approach the throne of God.